Moses. How well do you know Moses? I mean, other than a Cecil B. DeMille movie of the Ten Commandments, have you read much about him in the Old Testament? Might he have looked like Charlton Heston? Have you ever considered that you may not be too much different from him? And his encounter with God? Today on this first Sunday in Lent, we explore the character of Moses and the similarities that lie between him and you and me and all Christians. We do this by exploring three aspects of his character. They're common to us as well. And what did God do about these characteristics? There are three. Avoidance, confidence, and dependence. The first story about Moses comes with Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 4, where we read select passages from that. The story begins with Moses at the burning bush. He's run away from Egypt. He is herding sheep when the Lord appears to him from the burning bush, and the bush is not consumed by the fire, if you remember. God has already commanded Moses to take off his sandals, which means he is to worship him because he's on holy ground. So Moses hides his face and he bows down to God. Well, God asks Moses to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And I know we're all thinking of the song now. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt land. You don't know the song? Tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. What a great way to remember that. It says, go down. Moses is worried. He steps back. What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't pay attention to me? What if they doubt that you appeared to me? What if they think I'm on drugs seeing a burning bush? What if they are unreceptive? God's proof was that Moses was to throw down his staff. It turns into a snake and he picks it up and it turns into a staff again. Then he's commanded to put his hand inside his robe and he takes it out and it's all leprous. And the Lord says, put it in again, and he takes it out, and it's clean. Then he turns up water into blood. These are the signs that God gives Moses to go to Egypt. They should see these and believe. Moses continues, Oh, my Lord, I am not an eloquent man, neither in the past nor now that you have even spoken to me, your servant, for I am slow of speech, and slow of tongue, meaning that he stuttered. An excuse, an avoidance. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Please send someone else. Let someone else do it. Moses, confronted with God, believes in him. He bows down before him. What would rather let someone else do the work? Not only asking that someone else do the work, but ask that someone else do the, that very work for which Moses was chosen by God. It's not as if God was in the burning bush and there were a lot of people, and that he said, well, who wants to go to stand before Pharaoh? 
It wasn't an open invitation for anyone to go. He says, I want you to go. You, Moses, go to Pharaoh. I choose you. I think if I were there, I'd say, well, what have I done <laughs> that, that I would be chosen? Moses feels inadequate. Why him, of all people? His qualities are not eloquent. He's a herder of cattle. He stutters. He herds sheep. He was a slave in Egypt. He has no power before Pharaoh. Sound familiar? We are no different in avoiding God's calling. We are not called through a burning bush. Rather, we're called through baptism, through our faith. Moses, like us, is called by the covenant established through Abraham for the Jews and extended through baptism to the Gentiles, to you, to me. We are no less God's children than Moses, and we are no less inadequate than Moses. And we were given the opportunity or the circumstance to talk about what we have seen God do in our lives through the death and resurrection of Christ no different than Moses who stood before the burning bush and actually spoke with God we sometimes clam up we avoid living who we are in Christ and by faith what more could you possibly want I mean there's a burning bush Moses he calls you Moses you've seen the signs Moses and if you don't think that God can handle it, then you're not going to go to Pharaoh. What other sign do we need other than a resurrected Lord and Savior that we would not avoid simply because we consider ourselves inadequate? When we think of God's call, we, along with Moses, think of ourselves first. We don't think about God's ability. We think about ourselves first. I love God's answer to Moses. And I kind of paraphrase this. When Moses says, I am not a man of eloquent speech, in fact, I stutter, I'm slow of tongue, God says to Moses, who gave you a mouth? Who gave you a mouth? Who creates the person who's mute or deaf? Or the person who sees or the person who's blind? Is it not I? I've given you a mouth. I've given you words. I've given you language. You have faith. I've given you everything you need. Now, I know sometimes my wife says to me, and it's an old, like, Spanish phrase, she says, you talk just because you have a mouth. <laughs> now, yeah, I do. Okay. That's not what the Lord is saying here. Okay. That's not what the Lord is saying here. You talk because you have a mouth. You see, Moses could not avoid God. God was persistent with him. There was no excuse. There was no inadequacy that Moses had to overcome alone. God chose him, and he kept choosing him. He kept prodding him. God continues to work on Moses to equip him 
to make him ready. And that's the way he is with you, and that's the way he is with me. He wants you, and he wants me. He chose you, and he chose me, that we should bring him glory to his name in action and in speech. Don't avoid him. Don't avoid the circumstances that God puts in your lives to bring a hope or good news or comfort or consolation to people who you may encounter. God gives discernment on how we live and talk with those around us. We saw a great series on those who are receptive. How do we see that? Those who are unreceptive and those who are actually seeking. When someone is hurting and someone is searching, when they need to explore God's grace. The Lord says to Moses at the end, so now go. And I will be with your mouth. It just sounds funny. right? I'll be with your mouth. It's not only with me, that's specific. I stutter. I'm going to be with your mouth. I get nervous around people. I'm going to be with your nerves. I can't think straight when I want to talk about my faith. Well, I'm going to be with your tongue to talk about your faith. Not Moses' words, not our words, but God's words. I talk because I have a mouth. I talk God's word because he opens my mouth. The second story is water pouring forth from the rock in Numbers 20 that we heard. Uh, Moses goes, comes back, crosses the Red Sea. He's in the desert. He's appeared before Pharaoh. He's had great success, throws down the stick, the staff, turns to a snake. Nile turns to blood. Pharaoh's firstborn is, 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 is killed. Dude, look at Moses. He even receives the Ten Commandments, goes up to the mountain. Moses is the man. But the people wandering in the wilderness of Zin complain, we don't have any water. Give this to us. You're a great man. So Moses goes to the Lord. It says in Numbers 20, the glory of the Lord appeared to him and to Aaron. God says, take the staff and assemble the community and then speak to the rock. It will pour out its water. And you will bring water out of the rock for them and for their cattle. So Moses now does not lack any confidence whatsoever. He is self-confident. He goes out. He makes a big production, right? Listen, you rebels. Must we bring out water from this rock for you? Then Moses raises his hand and strikes the rock twice with his staff and water comes out abundantly. Look what I did for you. Me, with my staff. Moses, you're on a roll. Maybe it's a Kaiser roll. Or is he on a roll? Moses, although once feeling inadequate and let's say reluctant, now actually has a history of relationship with God working in his life at the burning bush. He tried to avoid him, but now he's confident. Moses is God's answer to Israel. Once he tried to avoid him, now he's not. God had been working hard on him. He had a breakthrough. He's confident. But is he confident that God had been working through him? Or is he confident that God had been working through him? 
Just like we run from God to avoid him, we can end up running from God by glorifying ourselves, our abilities, our daunting faith in God. From others who may not be quite as spiritual as we are, it might be heard from them, Oh, Melissa, oh, Roland, you know so much more about the Bible. Your walk with God is so close and it's so personal. I wish I could be more like you. You are so humble and spiritually strong. And on the outside, we say, well, thank you. It may appear that way, but I have many struggles, too, and uh, I'm uh, no different than you. I just you know, blah, 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 blah. But on the inside, we're saying, yep, I am proud to say I strive for humility. And I'm pretty tight with God spiritually. Read my Bible every day. Go to church every Sunday. God and I are a lot alike. Taking away the glory from God. We are so quick to jump from inadequate to self-confident. One thing that happens to us, we find that we have success in spending time with God in prayer. We have success and we're learning and growing in the faith by studying his word. We're searching him out and we grow. We recognize that the Lord is actually faithful to his word and can work through our lives to reach others for him. But we are so tempted to glory in the fact not that the Lord chose me, but that the Lord chose me. After knowing God's grace, realizing his strength in our lives, we suddenly shift from needing a savior to basking in our own greatness. In case you missed it, number story. Moses went from inadequate to self-confident. Numbers 20, God told Moses to speak to the rock before their eyes, but Moses gave that grand production. Listen, you rebels. And this removed God from the picture entirely and set up Moses as the source from which the com command for the water came. God says, because you did not trust me enough to show me as holy before the Israelites, therefore you will not bring this community into the land that I have given you. God's holiness was maintained in the long run, as the text goes on to say, but they contended with God, Moses specifically, for greatness and glory. He made the rock and the water about himself. Lesson? The Lord pursued and stuck with Moses to make him able, even when he got it wrong. And he will make you able as well, only as he strengthens you. Only as he forgives our iniquities, our inadequacies, and he makes us able. He who has called us equips us and goes before us. But one more story. The bronze serpent. And this little passage of verses in a context has nothing to do with what was prior and nothing to do with what came after. It's sort of like a commercial. Even in the face of Moses' self-glorification, Moses still received God's mercy. He still receives God's promise, even after his personal idolatry, setting himself up against God. So in Numbers 21, that very next chapter, we have the story of the bronze serpents, the bronze snakes. The people complain so much about God, 
and no longer believed that the Lord sent these snakes to bite them. This got the people's attention. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord. Pray to the Lord that he would take the snakes from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Notice he didn't say anything. The Lord said to Moses, make a poisonous snake of bronze and set it on a pole, and whoever is bitten looks at it and it will live. So Moses made the snake and put it on a pole so that if a snake had bitten someone, whoever looked at it would not die but live. God chose Moses. And even with his attempts to avoid God and his feelings of his inadequacies, his sins of self-sufficiency and glorification, God is a God of mercy who knows the needs of everyone who is like that. He forgives sins. Notice that in the story of the bronze serpent, God completely takes control. Moses does not say a word. God frees Moses up from the temptation to glorify self by acting solely through the bronze serpent. Now this serpent becomes for the people a sacrament, an object to which is attached the promise of salvation. He who looks upon the serpent lifted up will not die. But it was the faith of those who gazed upon the serpent that God could and would heal and restore to life those who believed his word. It was not about the serpent as something magic. The serpent was merely a seal, merely a token of the promise of God upon which the people believed. The same way with Abraham in circumcision. God also chose you and me. Although we offer excuses to avoid him, he's not done with us. Even though we are inadequate, he calls us to rely solely upon him who made our mouths to declare his glory. Although we can be self-glorifying at times, he will humble us to look solely to him for strength and our adequacy. But we remember the bronze serpent when we read John 3, where Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. He does this alone. That he does without us. That we cannot do. That is what we are dependent upon. Our Lord on the cross is the confirmation, the seal of God's promise of forgiveness and eternal life for our inadequacies, for our failures, for our self-glorification. He did not avoid God's choice to save the world. We know from the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed, let this cup pass from me. Spare me from this agony. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. His obedience. And Jesus did not glorify himself, but rather says in John, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you just as you've given him all authority over humanity so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Avoidance, confidence, and dependence. 
May God continue to work on us and in us, in spite of our attempts to avoid him and his call, so that through his word we may be strengthened to new confidence and always dependent upon him for our lives and our witnesses to others who need to hear good news. Amen. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ or about Grace Lutheran Church, please go to www.gracealoneonline.org. You can email us at gracealoneonline at gmail.com.